Greetings, I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, The Biblical Principles Governing the Eyes. This is lesson number 14, and uh, let's go a different direction for a while. <laughs> These lessons have all been pretty heavy, and the last several have been uh, arresting and uh, whatever. But let's, 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 we, the last lesson talked about removing stuff from us so that we don't fall in temptation. But let's talk about this. Let's talk about choosing to see and focus on God and good. So rather than focusing on what we shouldn't be looking at, let's focus on what we should be looking at. The best way to keep your eyes from being tempted is to focus on what we should be, we, you should be seeing rather than trying to resist what you should not be looking at. Uh, that principle works in everything. We know that uh, if you're trying to lose weight, uh, if you're hungry, you're going to break your diet. So the idea is to stay full of good food so that you don't eat the stuff that is going to not only break your diet, but eventually put weight back on you. Uh, it's true with everything. Uh, I can, uh, that's why holiness uh, is defined as separation from, but separation unto. I am not holy just because of the things I'm against and the things I don't do, but I'm holy because of what I'm committed to do, to the one that I'm committed unto. So I'm separating myself from the world to separate myself unto God. So that's the way of victory. It's not just enough to remove from your life the things that are temptation. What am I putting in that time? What am I putting in its place? What am I now doing that? Do, doing with that? So uh, let's look at some verses that kind of gives us some instruction on this, and I think you'll find them to be uh, very uh, instructive and beneficial. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 32 and 33 say, uh, Ye shall observe to do, therefore, as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or the left. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. And, of course, the word observe there has many different meanings, and one of the things that observe means that I, I look at, uh, and it's not just looking at, but I'm considering, I'm thinking about. But uh, frequently in the Bible, the word observe doesn't mean to just think about and consider. It means to think about and consider till I reach a point that I am now keeping and obeying. But it starts with looking at and considering and putting that before my eyes. Again, uh, uh, Job said, uh, no, David said, I will set no evil thing before my, mine eyes. So it's not enough to just not set evil before your eyes. I have to set good before my eyes. And so what is it I do? I set before me the word of God. Isn't it amazing? I need to re use my eyes to read and study the word of God. Why am I saying that? Because I know people who are prayers. They really do pray, but their life is inconsistent in spite of the fact that they are committed to prayer. Why? Because they don't do the other thing. 
they are committed to prayer, but they do not give themselves, give significant time and attention and love to the reading and studying of the Word of God. It's not, there's a blessing that comes with just reading the Word of God, but it's not enough to just read the Word of God. I need to study the Word of God, and it's never been easier than it is today because there's so many good Bible software programs or apps that are, that, that are now apps on our, our mobile devices. So we always have access to the Bible and, and my app that I use frequently, it has, I have bought. It has many translations on it, well over 40. I have other reference and study works, uh, the, the word studies and all that. And, and, and I love to, to read uh, the the uh, the King James with Strong's, which allows me to just touch on a word, it, and I'm wondering, okay, what did that? What was that original word? What did it mean? Well, I don't have to be a Greek scholar. I can touch on the word. It brings up the Greek definition and see what the word is and what the scholars say about it. And it's easy to reference all access all other. And so I can spend hours and hours of doing that. Well, if I'm doing that, there's a very good chance I'm not doing the other, right? Well. How many people who were true prayers? I'm not talking about religious prayers, but people that really did have a prayer life and some who even had a life of prayer, but they kept falling and sliding and slipping into this, uh, this trap they had because they did not set good things before their eyes. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Well, how does the word get in my heart? By way of my eyes. So I have to spend time reading the word, but just reading it is not enough. I want to know what it means. I want to, uh, I want to not only know, have knowledge of the word, I want to have understanding of the word, I want to have wisdom from the word. So knowledge is knowing what the word says. Understanding is understanding what the message is. But wisdom is knowing how to apply that to your life. You don't get that if you're just praying and then, okay, I'm going to read two chapters a day. Well, that's a wonderful thing to read a couple of chapters a day. But is that where it stops? You know, when I look at the amount of time that I'm investing in prayer and in reading the word, how does that compare with the amount of time I'm spending on the internet or participating in social media or watching some video or whatever? How does that compare? Well, I may really be involved in prayer and I may even do some reading. I may even do some study. But if I am undermining the good being done here by my undisciplined eyes over here, I'm uh, not, it's not a positive thing for me. But if I truly pluck out, remove from me by the grace of God, the authority of God, these things, and I, and I give that additional time or a significantly more time to God in prayer, well, how much do you do? I don't have a set time every day. I do as much as I possibly can. And if there's a flow in prayer, I'm going to keep on praying. If there's a flow in study, I'm going to keep on studying. And uh, I've had days, and they were awesome days, where eight, ten hours went by, and I didn't even realize it, both of prayer and study. And sometimes those two are connected for me, together. Sometimes I do my best praying sitting in front of a, a computer where I'm talking and he's talking, and he's pointing this out and sending me here. I, 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 don't, I don't 
I don't try to intellectually understand what God's saying. I try to let him explain it to me and let the word of God interpret itself to me by looking at the various verses on a subject as the Lord directs me to those things. Now, once I do that, I don't have a whole lot of time for stuff that's going to get me into trouble. And think of all the joy and the peace that comes from that, the fulfillment and the closest relationship with God. I mean, the Bible is the only book you can read with the author sitting there with you all the time. Why would I ever read the Bible alone? You don't read the Bible intellectually. You read the Bible spiritually if you really want to receive benefit out of that. But the Lord said that if we would observe, both look at, consider, and to do uh, his commandments, his word, and, you know, they call them on a horse, they call them blinders. He said, ye shall not turn aside to the right or the left. So as I spend more and more time with God and I spend more and more time in the Word, I end up with with blinders. And the purpose of blinders is so that the horse doesn't get distracted by his peripheral vision. Well, I don't want to be distracted by my peripheral vision either. In fact, there are sometimes I'm praying, especially when I'm praying with others, that I will close my closet doors. These are my closet doors. Why? Because he said that if I enter into my closet and pray, that what he tells me in in my closet, I can speak on the housetops and things will happen. And so, that was a paraphrase, of course. And so I find that if I if I'm around distractions or if I'm around other people, I don't want to be watching what they're doing. I want to focus on God. And if I can't focus on him and be tuned into him with my eyes open, I want to close my eyes and cut off that input. So now I am focused on hearing in my spirit what God is saying. Well, how many people have never learned to do that? Because they go through the the religious action of prayer and their religious uh, discipline of reading a couple of Bible verses every day or, or chapters that they hurry their way through on. They don't meditate on it. It's not enough to read. I need to meditate on those words. I need to listen to, to the Lord. I need to ask him, what does this mean? And I need to let him direct me to to understanding and study. Now, one thing I'm going to encourage here with everyone is you don't ever pray and study without something to write on. Because if I'm if he's speaking to me, I want to write that down. I'm never going to remember it naturally. Uh, he, it'll, he'll put it in here, and he'll bring it out when I, when I need it, but I want to keep that. He expects me to cherish what he's telling me enough that I write it down. And then also, if what he's telling me and I, he's showing me in study, if I don't write that down, if I don't make some kind of record of that, then I'm losing the benefit of the study. I'm not going to remember all that, but if I have the notes, I can go back and study it again. So here's the point. The point is that uh, today with the technology ha- we have, I-, I can study the Word and make make uh, 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 records of what I'm studying or what he's saying really easily, and I have access to it all the time. So take this, that which could be a, you know, I've said it many times, that which has potential for great blessing can become a curse. But that also, which has great potential for curse, 
could become a great blessing if I will use it with the discipline of the Holy Ghost. So he's promised me that if I fellowship with him and with his word, that ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your, your God hath commanded you, that ye may live and that ye may dwell, that ye may dwell, that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which, which ye shall possess. That's exactly what the Lord wants to do. Well, let's consider another scripture. Proverbs chapter 4, verse, uh, starting with verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Well, I didn't hear God speak this stuff that is written down in Proverbs. I didn't hear that. So the only way I can hear what God says and give ear to his sayings is that I read it first. And as I read it, I'm putting it into my mind and to my spirit. And so I am now hearing it spiritually while I am reading it. My son, attend to my words, incline thine, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from their, thine eyes. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. If I do this, how much time am I going to have to participate in things that are going to tempt me or open a door for temptation to me? Plus, if I do this, when I am watching or looking or, or looking online or whatever uh, at, at, in a positive way, I have a reserve of strength to not go the places in any of that that would cause me to, uh, uh, to be tempted. Or I would have the resolve when the, the language is not what it should be or the, uh, the participation is in act- activities that I, that the Bible says are wrong and that I don't want to be a part of, uh, emotionally, intellectually, visually, whatever. I will have the strength to turn it off, to get up, to leave that place. The discipline to do that so that I don't leave myself open because I'm giving myself to him here. Now, if I'm giving myself to him to hear and I'm doing these things in a positive way, but then I find out that I can't discipline myself and I find excuses, well, the movie's good. Uh, but you know, I, I, and so I'll just, I'll just close my eyes through that or I'll close my ears through that. Uh, if I begin to excuse myself in certain areas like that, the next thing you know, this begins to wane. My relationship with God and things I'm, and my focus on God begins to wane. And I gradually begin to give myself back into this case. So it's a very slippery slope if I'm not very, very careful. So how is the best way to do this? I, I give attendance to his word. I incline my ears to his sayings. I don't let them depart from my eyes. I keep them in the midst of my heart. He says, verse 22, For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So I don't want what my eye is seeing that's negative to get into my heart. Well, if I dwell very long on that, if I linger it's going to stop, it's going to leave my mind and get into my heart. And again, I've taught this before, and I don't want to get off into this in some tangent, but uh, I am body, soul, and spirit as a human being, and my soul is the real me. When I die, my spirit, the spirit is going to go back to God which gave it. My body is going to go back to the dust from whence it came. So 
my soul is a real me. My soul has two parts. My heart and my mind. My mind is that part of my being that relates to the temporal world, the conscious world, the conscious mind. And my heart is my inner man. It's my subconscious mind. And and the scripture says, out of that heart are the issues of life. So my mind knows a lot of things that I haven't embraced that I haven't, uh, I haven't given credence to, that I have not allowed to affect me by the grace of God. But what I allow that comes into my mind through my eyes and possibly and or my ears, and then I, I, I let my ma- mind dwell on it and abide on it, and it gets down into my heart. Now, what's in my heart's coming out of my heart. In words, thoughts, actions, feelings, responses, it's there. So you keep your heart, guard, protect your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So I have to be consciously determined to not let things linger in my mind that my my eyes see (coughs) that might go from lingering to longing in my heart. The longing takes place in the deep depths of my inner man, the depths of my soul, which is my inner man, my heart. That's where it takes place. So I don't want anything that my mind consciously is aware of temporally that is contrary to the word of God, contrary to my walk with God, contrary to my salvation. I don't want that to get out of my mind into my heart. And if I let it, I might be aware of it through a look. But if I let it linger over, and I don't know how long it takes for that to happen, and it may vary from situation to situation. But if I let it linger, it's going to get in here. And once it gets in here, it changes who I am. Because out of the heart are the issues of life. Verse 24, put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Uh, a froward mouth is, a, is a, a, a mouth that resists and is against God and his word, that speaks against God and his word. And perverse lips are speaking deception. And if I'm watching a video where people are promoting anti-God stuff, if I'm listening to even the news that is promoting anti-God stuff, the scripture says, put it far from thee. Verse 25, let thine eyes look right on, or look rightly, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Don't allow yourself to be, this is what the last verse in Deuteronomy said. Don't look to the right hand or the left. Don't let you, don't be distracted by your peripheral vision. Let God give you tunnel vision so that you want Him and you want His Word and you want to be saved and you want to be a part of the kingdom of God. You want to be a part of the plans of God. You want to be a part of end time harvest. And you're not going to let anything distract you from that. You say, well, that's not much of a life. Really? Then you're calling the word of God a lie. Because it says this is the path of life. In his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. This temporary pleasure of the flesh is very temporary. And, and, the, and the feelings that I have about myself, if I'm not a habitual, if I'm not so far gone into sin, I've seared my conscience. The feelings I have after that momentary pleasure of the flesh are very negative feelings but this over here this is these all of this is eternal 
all of this, the, 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 ple- the fullness of joy and the pleasures of being used of God. In, at, in thy presence is fullness of joy. That's fellowship with God. At thy right hand, being a conduit for his authority, his power, his word. There are pleasures forevermore. So while I'm giving glory to God for what he's doing, there is an indescribable pleasure in the awareness that God has used you as his conduit to speak and do supernatural things that cause him to be glorified. This can't compete with this. The the pleasure of the flesh cannot compete with this. The reason we give ourselves to this, because we don't participate in this enough to realize the fullness of this, because that's abundant life. The scripture says, that Jesus said he came to give life and that more abundantly. He's not talking about one one thing. He's talking about two different things. Every saved person has abundant life or has life. Every saved person is given life from death. Sin is death. And I'm, I'm forgiven of sin. I'm brought into life. But that's not all of it. When I come to this place of committed relationship, when I have a life of prayer, when I, when I love the word of God and I become a conduit for him to use me for his kingdom's sake, then, then, that's abundant life. It's abundant life. Last verse here. Ponder, no, it's not the last verse. Verse 26. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. I, I'm, I'm going to read a couple of places of, uh, of different translations of these last three verses. Uh, the Living Bible says, look straight ahead. Don't even turn your head to look. Watch your step. Stick to the path and be safe. Don't sidetrack. Keep, pull back your foot from danger. The Bible basic, basic English says, keep your eyes on what is in front of you, looking straight before you. Keep a watch on your behavior. Let all of your ways be rightly ordered. Let there be no turning to the right or to the left. Keep your feet from evil. Easy to read Bible says, keep your eyes on the path and look straight ahead. Make sure you're going to the right, going the right way and nothing will make you fall and nothing will make you fall. Don't go to the right or to the left and you will stay away from evil. Uh, and here we go, the message Bible. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left. Leave evil in the dust. And finally, the Amplified Bible says, Let your eyes look right on with fixed purpose. Let your gaze be straight before you. Consider well the path of your feet and let all your ways be established and ordered aright. Turn not aside to the right hand or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. So, we should be focused on God and his word. We should be focused on God and his word. But there's no way to be focused on God and his word and have time for our eyes to really wander. There's no way. I want to, I want to read in, in closing here the, uh, the con, context of, uh, the verses I read earlier, Deuteronomy 5, 32, 33. The Lord is saying these words. The Lord is saying this. You want to know how God feels? He's expressing his feelings here. He is, he's looking at Israel and all their wanderings here and there, you know, 
if the shortest distance between a two points is a straight line, Israel was a long way. It was all way. It was here and there. How do you how do you wander in a wilderness for forty years on a trip that you could make in just a few weeks or months? How do you do that? Because your your heart is not there. So the Lord said in Deuteronomy five twenty nine. Oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. (laughs) God is talking to us here. God is speaking to us. He is telling us how much he wants us to focus on him and have a relationship on him where he can trust us with his blessings. Where Because if he gives us his blessings without us being focused on him, we're going to turn the blessings into God and forsake the God of the blessings. We're going to become possessed by our possessions that he has given to us. So, he, out of love, he cannot give us certain things if our focus is not such that we can stay saved and have them. Because if our focus is upon God, all that he gives us are additions, and they don't become our life. We're thankful for them, but they don't become our life. They don't become our life. He stays our life. So one more time, I mean, I read this, and it makes my heart hurt that he has to say this to those he created and blessed, And he wasn't talking about just the world here. He was talking about his chosen people in the Old Testament. Oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. If they just believed my word, if they just trusted me, if they just wanted what I wanted for them, then it would be well with them. It would be well with him. I either am going to be brought to a life of surrender and commitment because of my time spent with him, and I love him so much that the more time I spent with him, the more I want to be focused on him. Or if I'm not focused, he loves me so much, he has to constantly do things to get my attention to get me to keep trying to experience this because the hope he has is that if he can do that, we will eventually recognize the blessing, that he is the blessing, not him rescuing us from a problem, not him fixing situations, not him giving stuff us stuff we need. Even though all of that is good, it's not as good as God. And so I have a choice. I can draw closer to God and he can give me all the additions he wants because I'm not going to be distracted by them. I'm going to be thankful for them, but I'm not going to be distracted by them. I'm not going to let them replace him in my life. Or if I'm not consistent in that, then his love requires that he do whatever or allows to happen, whatever is necessary to get my attention. 
to hopefully get me to pray and fellowship with him so that I'll get a taste and see that God is good and that this life, this life of giving myself to him is so far superior than this life of, of just visiting him occasionally. Instead of, instead of abiding with, instead of just visiting him each day and just visiting him a couple of times a week with the body of Christ, I want to abide with him and I want him abiding in me. That's completely different than visiting him. But some who just visit him, they got their life divided into both spiritual and secular. And so they have their spiritual times and they have their secular times. Well, it's not secular times, it's carnal times. When I cut God out of my life, I run my own life, make my own decisions, do my own will. Uh, this opens the door to the temptation of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. It opens the door for that. If I'm, if I'm lost in Him, if my life, if I'm dead and my life is hid with Christ and God, I can set my affections on things above. Paul said all these things in Colossians 3. I can set my affection on things above and not on things on the earth. And so I can, I can utilize and participate in the things on the earth that God created intended for me to, but they don't ever become a substitute God for me because he is my God and he is my focus. But he said to this, verse 30, I'll read verse 29 again. Oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always and that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go say to them, get you into your tents again. But as for thee, stand thou here by me and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them that they may do do them in the land which I give them to possess it. Now you talk about something sad. God is speaking to Moses here. This The book of Deuteronomy is God's last effort to use Moses to give instruction to Israel before they leave the promised land, that leave the wilderness, go into the promised land, But because their heart was not where it needed to be, he told Moses, tell them to go to their tents. I just have to talk to you by yourself. You tell them to go to their tent. I can't talk to all of them as one body because their heart is not where it needs to be. So you tell them to go to their tent, and I'm going to talk to you for them here. Well, I tell you what, uh, as a man of God, I understand that that is my responsibility. But that's not the desire of God. It's not the desire of God to have a go-between between himself and his people. There's only been one go-between. There's only been there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. And no preacher is called to be that person, only except in the case of the hardness of the hearts of God's people. That's the only time that the man of God is supposed is put in the place of having to be the go-between between God and his people because it's God's desire to communicate with everyone directly. That doesn't mean there would be no use for leaders anymore, but God wants that to be the case. So again, this is, this is the context. I wish they could all receive this, but they can't. Tell them all go to their tents. And once they're they're all in their tents, then I'm going to talk to you. And here's what I'm going to tell you. And these are the two verses we started with in this lesson. You shall observe to do, therefore, as the Lord your God hath commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, 
and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. There is no way to be truly focused upon God and have time for my eyes to wander. Now, the proof that Israel never, ever really got everything God said was after the leadership of Israel was transitioned from Moses to Joshua, and Joshua led them into the promised land, as long as that direct link, link to, to, to Moses was there through Joshua, and he kept ministering to the people, uh, they, they continued to walk with God, and God blessed them. But after the death of Joshua, there arose a generation who knew not God. They knew not God. And Israel began to go into idolatry. Why? Because they were not focused on God. So my temptations are there only because I am not focused upon him. If we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Galatians 5, 16 and Romans 8 and 1. So it's your choice. It's my choice. What are we going to do? Who's going to be the focus of our life? What's going to be the focus of our life? What are we going to give ourselves to? We've only got a short amount of time. 70 years is nothing, trust me. At 73, I'm telling you right now, when James said it was a vapor, it is truly just a vapor. It's here today and going tomorrow. It's just a mist. It just, it happens so fastly, fast. I said to someone recently, all of my memories are this mass. I have to consciously work through a memory and remember when that happened and how old I was when that happened in order to put it into some kind of timeline. Because I look back on my life and it's this mass of memories. There's that seem like they all because there's no time frame in my conscious mind of those memories. It feels like they all happen at once. They feel like they all happen at once. What's going to what's going to be the focus of your life? But ultimately, who is going to be the focus of your life? In Jesus' name, I pray that a hunger for fellowship with God and a hunger for the Word of God. and a hunger for the life that he has to give would be so deeply entrenched in your spirit that it would change the focus of your life and mine until we don't have time or room for the temptation that our eyes could lead us into. In Jesus' name, let it be so. God bless you.